0: Here in the book of Acts, we've been studying the power of God to extend his kingdom. I want you to think about that for a minute. The power of God, which means perfect power, to extend his kingdom all over this world. Last week, we talked about the power of God to resurrect this woman from the dead named Dorcas. The week before that, the power of God to remove Peter from prison. These two extraordinary events. Well, Acts is full of extraordinary events, but it's also full of... uh, Loaded with ordinary events in other words things that are more normal for the church even today And that's an important thing to distinguish as you read through acts because sometimes we're overwhelmed with the extraordinary But we miss these moments when something happens like you're about to hear That's actually very normal for the church even today the same God who spoke to Philip is speaking to us The same God who overwhelmed the ethiopian eunuch is overwhelming us So let's prepare our hearts as we come to hear this story. May the Lord truly bless us as we have our eyes open to see. So please stand for the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 8. We will begin in verse 26.
1: Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation, his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing but Philip found himself at Azotus and as he passed through he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea this is the word of the Lord be to
0: God. Please be seated Thank you Father we love you and we rejoice that you have given us your holy word. And we rejoice that you've given us a place that upholds scripture, a place where we can come expecting to hear from you, a place where we can find the encouragement for this journey, a place where we can also have our cage rattled a bit so that we might think more correctly about the mission that you've placed before us, a place where we can come and not feel alone, a place where we can come And have our eyes lifted up. And Lord, that's what we need. We constantly need your spirit to lift us and lift our eyes up to see the mission that you have called us to. To understand the reasons why you spoke to us in the past and speak to us even now. Lord God Almighty, whatever is distracting any of us, we pray that you would remove it at this moment. Whether it be illness, emotions, resentment, fear, whatever it might be, God, would you please overwhelm us with your glory that for this time together in your word, we might be transformed. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Before I dive into the nuts and bolts of this text, I want to read a different passage. It's not one that you are unfamiliar with most likely, but one that maybe is easy to forget about. It's Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. Here's what he says at the end of his letter. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I love that verse. How many of you like it? I'm just curious, if you like that verse, raise your hand. Most of you are gonna raise your hand because it's God's word and you know you should. But it's a pretty amazing passage. I wonder how many of you thought about it on your way to church today. My guess is most of you didn't. Because most of us don't really come to church with the mindset that we are participating in something that is supernatural. This is not like anything else you're going to do the rest of this week, or even today. You've come to a place of corporate worship where the body of Christ together lifts her voice. To this God This supernatural God But because of our lives And the busyness of our lives So often we find ourselves Simply going through the motion And this is almost just like One more transaction That we participate in during the week And it's not You are part of a church That is part of THE church Capital C Which means it is being led by The one true living God Who is a supernatural God This supernatural God has supernaturally called you to be His beloved sons and beloved daughters. This supernatural God has spoken to you that you might speak to others, that they might hear the good news of Christ and in a supernatural way come to saving faith. This is not simply a place that we come like a big Christian buffet line to feed on the Word of God to become smarter Christians. It is a place where we come with the expectation of being transformed as the Spirit of God Himself invades our souls, takes our eyes off of self, onto Him, and then uses us for His glory's sake to extend His kingdom. How many of you thought, I'm about to enter into a sanctuary and experience the supernatural? Most of us may have given a little thought, but not most. Too much noise, too much distraction, too hard just to get here on time, too hard to find a parking place, too hard to get the kids excited, too hard to overcome the looks that my wife and I had with each other before we left. There's a lot of dynamics going on. But let me remind you, the church is not like any other institution you belong to. The church is the one that will last for eternity. That's it. And when I say church, I don't mean PCPC. I mean the church, capital C all believers of all time. That is what you, if you were in Christ, are a part of. You're a part of a supernatural cosmic movement that cannot be stopped. There is an enemy, and he's real, and there is falls and stumbles and backsliding, if you want to use that phrase, but God cannot be stopped. His power is that great, and he's not going to stop until the moment that he has... Captured the last soul that is his. Amen. That's what he's about. And that's what this church is about. That's what this is all about. It is about the mission that the Lord has given us as his people to take that good news to wherever he has placed us. And what I love about the word of God, if we slow down and really soak it up, is that he answers so many questions because he's given us so much. Many of you are probably in the middle of a new Bible reading plan for the year. Some of you have already given up. Some of you didn't start because you knew you would hit February. You'd be in Leviticus and you thought enough about the temple and all those things. I can't read one more architectural chart. And you just kind of move on. Others of you are faithful right now. You're like, I'm on track. Some of you read ahead because you knew you might miss a couple of days. Wherever you are in your Bible reading, it doesn't matter to me except to say this, read slower. Just slow down. It is not a race. Slow down as you read the Scriptures. Soak in them. Ask questions about them. For example, God, why did you give us the story of Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch? All Scripture is God-breathed. Thousands of years ago, this Ethiopian eunuch is reading from Isaiah 53. The section that we're told about came just after the section we reread in our call to worship. So we know the Ethiopian eunuch was reading that. That's the same words, same word of God that you and I are reading this morning. Why did God give it to us? Why is it here? Well, as I mentioned in my introduction before the scripture reading, God is powerful. He can't be stopped. He is going to accomplish his mission. Last week, I shared with you the story of Dorcas, A woman who had died, who by the powerful work of the Holy Spirit, this resurrection power, Peter was used to raise her from the dead. That's extraordinary. Soon before that, Peter had been used to heal somebody that was a paralytic. Before that, or soon after, Peter is going to be lifted out of a prison, miraculously extraordinary. God's history of redemption, told through the book of Acts here, gives us these stories that are extraordinary. If Dorcas was gonna be the woman leading the women's Bible study, this early morning Bible study, starting this Wednesday, the fellowship hall would be packed. Come here, a woman who was raised from the dead, she really was, Peter did it, it's the power of God, it would be packed, right? Well, the same God who spoke to Peter, who raised Dorcas from the dead, is the same God speaking to you now. That's amazing. God does these extraordinary things. But the word of God also gives us the ordinary, the more normative way in which God is building his church, and that's what we have here. A man named Philip, nothing special about Philip, who has been set apart earlier in the book of Acts as a deacon, one of seven, has now become this passionate evangelist, And he's moving throughout Samaria watching people come to saving faith as he speaks the words of Christ just as he seeks to be obedient to making known the name of Jesus. It's remarkable. Philip listens to God. God then calls him to go and speak. These are ordinary and normal things for the church. I believe that's why God gave this to us because Philip is someone that we can relate to and this experience is something that we can relate to. I cannot relate to you What happened between Peter and Dorcas? I cannot relate to you regarding a physical healing where I've laid my hands on someone or prayed over them or commanded them to be healed, and they were healed. But I can give you countless numbers of details about people in the body of Christ who have done everything that Philip did here and was used by God in a providential crossing to lead someone to Christ. And that's what we're going to see. And this is really fun. So let's look at the text. What's the first thing you notice? Peter, Philip I mean, is being used by God in a profound way in Samaria. Go back and read the early parts of Acts chapter 8. But then he comes to a place where he hears from the Lord. God speaks. Verse 26, look there with me. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Let's let's stop there. Philip hears an angel. In just a few moments, we're going to be told that the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip. So what we understand is that God is a God who speaks. The same God that spoke to Philip through the angel, the same God that spoke to Philip as the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's God, is the same God speaking to us today. This Holy Spirit, this angel... Communicates to Philip that God has a new plan for him. He is to leave where he is, and he is to go along this desert road, this journey to Gaza. But what does he not tell him? Why? He doesn't tell him when or where or who either. He just simply says, go, rise, go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Well, what options does Philip have? Now, let's just be honest human beings. He can say no. And he probably was tempted to. Probably not tempted to say no, actually. Probably tempted to say, I'm not sure this is God. And here's why. He was successful. He was being used by God in a thriving ministry where people who had been captured by this magician named Simon began to refuse that and embrace the living Lord Jesus Christ. Philip's ministry was thriving in Samaria, and then suddenly an angel speaks and says, rise and go. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that someone with this kind of impact would suddenly be called to go somewhere where there's no expectation of impact. There's no description of what's going to happen. But what does Philip do? Luke records the story... Verse 26 or 27, and he, that's Philip, rose and went. Obedience to God's voice. And there was in Ethiopia an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Why did God give us this story? Okay. Philip hears God speak. He obeys the voice. Where is he going? He doesn't know. Who is he going to see? He doesn't know. How long will he be on this journey? He doesn't know. What does he know? He knows that God is the one who spoke to him. The Ethiopian eunuch is a man who has been on his own journey. He is a man of great authority underneath this this woman, Candace, He has this amazing responsibility and authority. He is interested in worshiping God, so he has traveled to Jerusalem to do so, but he is not a Christian. He does not know about Jesus Christ and all that he must believe about coming to saving faith, but he is on a journey. And on this journey, this providential God, this sovereign God is about to cause these two men's paths to cross in a way that is going to lead the Ethiopian eunuch to saving faith, to baptism, and then a life of extending the kingdom of Christ. It's amazing. But Philip doesn't know that. All Philip knows is that God speaks. This is the ordinary way God today, just as he did then, is advancing his church. It's it. Do you believe that? If it's true, then my point is this. The same God that spoke to Philip is the same God that speaks today. So let me ask this question. Do you believe God speaks? Do you believe that God has the power to reveal to you on any given day, I want you to rise up and I want you to go and I want you to follow me and speak whatever I want you to speak. You need to know if you're part of this church that I believe that 100%. I believe with all of my heart that God still speaks today. How does he speak to us, though? Do we suddenly hear an audible voice that sounds like Dr. Julian Russell? (laughs) No, that is him. No, that is not how God speaks. The primary way in which God speaks to us is through his holy word. God gives us his word, and if we hear something that is in contradiction to his word, that's not God's voice. But God's word, and what's included from Genesis to Revelation, is not the only way in which God speaks to us. What we hear can never be in contrast to it. But as Philip is responding towards this call to go, the New Testament hadn't even been written yet. The same God who spoke to Philip is the same God who speaks to us today. He will never speak to us outside of Scripture. In other words, He won't say anything that's extra biblical. He won't say anything that is not in relationship to Scripture. But Scripture doesn't tell us whether we're to take this job or work for this church. It doesn't tell us whether we should send our kids to this school or this school. Seeking the Lord's face, praying, availing ourselves of the means of grace, we discern those things. We hear His voice. They are never to be outside of what Scripture says. But my point for us today is that God still speaks. Not a different God. The same God. Not a different God for Isaiah or a different God for the Ethiopian eunuch or a different God for Philip. The same God that wrote Isaiah. The same God that wrote the book of Acts. Is the same God speaking to us now. But Mark... Isn't it possible to misunderstand God's voice? Isn't it possible to not hear His voice and think you had? Well, of course it is. In fact, there are times in Scripture when you see that. I hear my voice often. And so what I must do is always take it before the Lord's holy word. Have I heard something that's in contradiction to Scripture? Then it's not God's word. But if I am hearing or sensing an impulse that the Lord perhaps has given me through the working of His Spirit, and it is in bounds with Scripture, and other saints are affirming that, that is likely the voice of God. That's how the Lord speaks. God speaks to His people today, just as He did then. But how do we know for sure? Well, that's a question that really begs you to ask this question. What are you putting your trust in? Are you you putting your trust in your ability to discern? Are you putting your trust in a God who has no problem making himself known to you? Put your faith there. God will not be challenged by you and me and our inability. God, you will see later in Acts, takes Paul, who's killing Christians, and blinds him that he might come to saving faith. There is no obstacle that can stop God. God will make himself clear to us. It will always be consistent with his word, always. And it will be consistent with the saints who come around affirming what his word says. But the point we must start with, just as it was with Philip, is that God speaks. And what that means is that as God speaks to us, He has to be speaking to us for a reason. What is it? God did not speak to Philip or to Peter or to the disciples or even to us just so that we could become more intellectual, smarter Christians. That is not the goal. The goal is that we would know Jesus Christ. And in knowing Jesus Christ, we would take the message that He has given us and then we would go and speak it wherever He has called us to speak it. We should know His Word. We should study His Word. We should continue to do that. But let me tell you something. If this is the way the arithmetic is working in your life, I spend more time studying God's Word and I spend less time telling people about Him, something's wrong. You're not getting that deep. The deeper it goes into our hearts, the further it goes out to the world. Something has happened. The goal is not to simply become smarter. The goal is to be used by God as He speaks to us, to make known the wonderful truths that He has given us. I love that. The more we learn about the Lord the more we should desire to make that known. The more the mysteries are unfolded to us, which is a gift from God, the more we should delight in making those mysteries known. God speaks to us that we might go and speak to others. Philip believed that. So Philip, with very little direction, leaves where the Lord had placed him. In obedience, Luke tells us that he rose and went. I love that language. He then is met with the voice of the Holy Spirit in verse 29. The Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So what you see is he's going on that journey. Each step, again, one after another, not knowing where it's going to lead, the Holy Spirit then speaks. And he moves towards. Now, Some of you might be asking, how did he know? How did he know it was a spirit? How did he know it was the angel? Years ago, not that many, maybe just two or three, a man who walks the streets of Dallas, he's not homeless, but he kind of moves around in a unique way, pouring into pastors, met with me for coffee. Somebody introduced us. I was really eager to meet this man because I'd heard great things about him. Not long into the conversation, he said to me, Mark, the Lord gave me a word for you. And I'm going to tell you how I felt. I felt, Skeptical I felt cynical You don't know me Why would God give you a word for me? I have lots of people in my life who can give me words I really felt that way I didn't say it, that would be rude But it's what I felt I was suspicious And then I got real suspicious Because he said, I also have a word for your wife Okay Depending on what that word is (laughs) (laughs) Well, I listened And was actually encouraged by what he said It was full of the Spirit, you could sense, but I had a question. My question was, how do you know what you heard was from God and not just from you? Would you want to ask that question? So I did. And he said something that I'll never forget. He said, Mark, do you remember when we were kids and we would call each other on the phone before caller ID? And you would pick up the phone and you would know immediately who it was. Why? Because you recognize their voice. The more time you spend in the Word of God, the more time you spend listening to the Word of God, the more time you're in conversation with people who are listening to the Word of God, who are in the Word of God, the more familiar you come with His voice. You know it's His voice. He said we would. My sheep know my voice. We make it harder than it has to be for fear that we're going to miss it. But it might be a deeper fear. It might be something else. It might be actually that we don't want to hear what he might say. My friends, God doesn't lack the power to convince you of what he longs for you to be a part of. He is speaking to you. He's speaking to me that we might speak his truth to others. We know his voice. And when we hear his voice, Philip gives us an example of what to do. The Spirit speaks, go over and join this chariot. Now remember, this man had authority and power, so there's this train of people moving along on his journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, and now he's heading back. And what does Philip do when he sees it? I love this. He runs. So when you have a sense that the Holy Spirit's leading you to do something, Do you run towards it? Do you have the sense that he might be using me or he might be getting ready to use me to be a part of something so supernatural that an individual is about to come to eternal life? Remember what that means, life forever. Philip has been used by God in Samaria. Strangely, the Lord says, Philip, I want you to go on this desert road. Now he's beginning to give him direction. There's a train, there's an Ethiopian eunuch, there's a chariot, and he runs towards it. Now here's what happens. And by the way, what happens here is not normative. The Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah. I've never had a moment where I was led by God to say something to somebody, and they had their Bible open, and they were reading Isaiah and said, are you a pastor? Would you explain the truth of this wonderful prophecy to me? Never happened. Well, Philip runs. As he runs towards the chariot, he hears him reading Isaiah, and he simply asks a question. First thing he says to him, do you understand what you are reading? And the Ethiopian says, how can I unless someone guides me? This is important. This is how God moves. God didn't need Philip. God's powerful enough to make this Ethiopian eunuch believe it without Philip. But what God is teaching us is he delights in using his people to come and explain the word of God to others. That's why we need to know the word. But we don't know the word to simply stay home and to just lead Bible studies so people can get fatter on the word of God. We teach the word so that people are equipped to then go. And as he hears this Ethiopian eunuch reading from Isaiah, what does he do? Do you understand what you're reading? His response, how can I unless someone guides me? That's God's plan. He has sent Philip there to guide this man. He has created this sovereign, providential crossing where these two individuals are going to collide. One who went on a long journey from Africa to worship God. Another who had a thriving ministry in Samaria. And now providentially they're going to collide. And guess what? That requires just as much supernatural power as Peter saying to Dorcas, rise. And Peter being freed from prison, it's all supernatural. And so what does Philip do? Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. Starting there, why didn't he go to the Gospel of John? It hadn't been written. Why not Matthew? It hadn't been written. Or Mark, it hadn't been written. He went from this scripture and he pointed him to Jesus. All scriptures pointing to Jesus. What God has spoken to us, he is calling us in submission to him to speak to others. And it simply is pointing them to the good news about Jesus. I believe this is normative for the church. I believe this is the ordinary way in which God is taking a body like ours and saying, my children, you believe in the good news about Jesus. I've not given you the good news just so that you can sit and be comfortable. I've given you the good news that you might be a part of this supernatural endeavor of me, calling all my people to myself. And I have put you in places where providential crossings are going to happen. And what I want you to do is to simply make yourself available. I want you to listen to me. And when I say speak, speak. And you will know my voice. Now, some of you right now might be beginning to feel guilt or shame or a burden, or, oh, I don't really want to be that kind of Christian. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. What's the problem? Is it really fear? Or is it that you don't really believe how majestic and cosmic and eternal and supernatural these crossings are? This is eternal life. That's what this church is about. It's his church. That's what our campaign and the Extend Vision is about because it's his church. Philip could have said no. And because the Ethiopian eunuch is one of God's elect, someone else would have gone. You can say no. But what does it say about you? Why would you want to miss out on the profound opportunity to be used by God. But again, that feeling of, oh no, what does that mean? Does it mean every time I get on an airplane, I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus? I gotta be honest, some people have a misunderstanding about evangelism. They kind of approach evangelism like whack a mole. <laughs> Let me explain. Whack a mole is a game at Chuck E. Cheese where children stand on something or take a mallet in their hand and little mechanical moles pop up. And the goal is for the child to whack the mole down and depending on how many whack down, they get all these tickets. Or they stomp on them. Christian, the mission is not for us to look at every community space we enter into and every airplane we, you know, on board and simply say, I've got to do all this. Like, whack-a-mole. It's not. It's listening to God. Sometimes God makes it very clear to me that I want you to open up a conversation with this person. And sometimes he doesn't. I seek to be obedient to his voice, not just some method. Sometimes I don't want to do it. I was coming back from China a few years ago, a long flight after two weeks of ministry. And the last thing I wanted to do was talk to anyone. I was sitting on the plane from Chicago to Dallas, 20 minutes in, ready to get home. I put on my Bose noise cancellation headphones. I was reading something that said, don't bother me. And I meant it. 20 minutes into the flight, the man sitting next to me, who was from India, lifted my headphones off of my ear and said, sir, I have a question to you. I've been reading the book of Isaiah. No, that's not true. He said, Do you know where Windstar Casino is? And I looked at him and I said, You deserve this. And I gave him the gospel for 45 minutes. And he listened, lots of questions. I gave him a Bible. He wouldn't take it. I insisted. He wouldn't. I insisted. Finally, he did. I don't know what happened to that man. God has no problem making it clear when he wants us to make his name known. My friends, it doesn't have to be as scary or intimidating as you think, but it's because the God who is leading this mission, this supernatural God, has the power to give you everything you need. What he delights in is when we have the hearts that say, here I am. I will rise and go. So where might he be calling you? I want to close by reading something to you. Right now, with this many people here, and all the people that were here in the last service, and all those who come in and out of this church who are believers in Jesus, there are thousands. If each person knew three people who didn't know the Lord, neighbors, coworkers, family members, friends, those who serve on boards, wherever, recreation. Think about how many people would be prayed for. Start there. It is very possible that God has put you in a place for a providential crossing, that there might be a moment in an individual's life where they suddenly become interested because of something they've seen or heard about Christ that has them in a place ready to ask questions. We need to be ready and willing by the grace of God to enter in to those conversations. Where might they be? I want to read something to you. Peter, I'm sorry, Philip, points the Ethiopian eunuch to Jesus. The Ethiopian eunuch believes. He sees water, and then he says, let me be baptized. Philip baptizes him. And then the most amazing thing happens. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. I don't know exactly what that means, but he went away. And it says the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Don't miss this. The temptation would have been for the Ethiopian eunuch to want to go now and be a part of Philip's ministry. But here's a useful lesson for Christians of all ranks and in all times. If your business was lawful, and honest before, you need not desert it when you become a Christian. A child at school, a servant in the house, a clerk in the counting room, a laborer in the field, a mechanic in the workshop, a seaman before the mass, a merchant in the exchange, need not desert his calling when he enters into a new life of faith. This Ethiopian gentleman would probably do more good by going home and conducting his business than if he had abandoned his office and followed Philip northward. The Lord has need of witnesses everywhere, in schools, in workshops, in families, in evening parties, in halls of judgment and legislation, in the army and in ships at sea. Everywhere the earth is corrupt and needs salt. Every true Christian is a grain of salt. And for the world's good, the salt must be distributed so as to be in contact with evil at every point. It behooves every disciple to have always his Savior in him, for he does not know how soon and how often the Lord may desire to use him as a witness to the truth. That's amazing. What's really amazing is it was written in 1873. Workplace ministry is a big deal. God has providentially placed you in many settings that there might be a providential crossing, and the Lord delights in using his people in this normative way to accomplish this extraordinary reality, the conversion of a soul, a cosmic, beyond natural rebirth when a man or a woman comes to saving faith. What, oh church, will that look like if all of us by His grace and for His glory just continue before our Lord to say, use me to point people to Jesus. He'll give you everything you need. Father in heaven, thank you for the patience that you've given this body. Today, Thank you, Father, for the presence of your Holy Spirit. And as we sing about you, Holy Spirit, we're praying to you, knowing that you're praying for us. And I pray, Lord, that the words that come from our mouth now in this wonderful hymn will begin to be truer and truer in our soul, that we will not rest upon our own strength or ability, but we will rest in you, that we will hear your voice, and when you speak, we will follow. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.